down a bit. <laughs> we had somebody very tall there, obviously. <laughs> uh, the reading is taken from Acts 10, 34 to 43. Gentiles, hear the good news. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John announced. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. How he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are all witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us who are chosen by God as witnesses, and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Ellie. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. John chapter 20, reading from the first verse. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, And said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, 
Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And so may I speak in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you please be seated. Jesus lives. Jesus lives. Jesus lives. I'd like you, if you would humor me, to turn around in your seat and say to two or three, three people you didn't come to church with, behind you, maybe in front of you, or to your side, Jesus lives. Go on. Jesus lives indeed. And Jesus lives is the reason we're here today. Jesus lives is the reason the church still exists, despite being described as the opium of the masses. The church still exists, despite numerous procrastinations of its death. And indeed, the fact that Jesus lives is the hope for the world. Jesus lives is why that first Easter day is the greatest day in history. And the greatest day in history, mind you, not simply because of the resurrection. There are, after all, other resurrections recorded in the Old Testament and the New Testament. No, it's the greatest day in history because this was the resurrection that overcame the power of sin, that overcame the power of death, that overcame the power of the devil. Jesus did not rise like Lazarus, whom he raised, or the son of the widow of Nain, whom he also raised, or Jairus, his daughter, whom he also raised from the dead, or indeed others raised by his disciples like Tabitha. No, Jesus did not rise like those just to die again. On the contrary, he rose from the dead and never died again. He ascended into heaven 40 days later on Ascension Day before sending the Holy Spirit nine days after ascension at Pentecost. Jesus lives. Jesus lives. Jesus lives. You can just imagine how the news of the resurrection spread like wildfire after Mary saw and recognized Jesus and told the other disciples that she'd seen the risen Jesus. Anybody who wasn't in that room, as she told them, would go and tell others, Mary has seen Jesus. Jesus lives. Interestingly enough, Simon Peter and John had been to the tomb first and been confronted with the empty tomb, but we're told they just returned to their homes. And John, who writes the gospel, says of himself, then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. 
For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. Well, what exactly did John believe? Did he really believe that Jesus had risen from the dead because there was no corpse there, that all there were were the linen burial cloths? Then why didn't he go to tell others immediately that Jesus was alive? All we're told is that he and Peter returned to their homes. Was John, when he actually later on wrote up the account, retrospectively trying to say he had an inkling, he was ahead of the others in recognizing the fact of the resurrection? Well, all we can say definitely is that it was Mary who first saw Jesus, Mary who recognized Jesus, and then went to tell others that Jesus was alive, risen from the dead. And you could just hear her excited voice. Jesus is living. Jesus lives. Jesus lives. Jesus lives. And I've seen him with my own eyes. The other day I was talking with someone about faith. And they admitted their faith level was low. Almost to the point of disappearing. I asked why. They said look at the world around us. Where is God with all the evil. All the chaos around us. The pandemic that has ravaged so many lives and filled the world with fear. Now the ongoing over 50 days of barbaric war waged by Russia on China. On Ukraine, rather. (laughs) I hope that's not prophetic. I hope that's not prophetic. Waged by Russia on Ukraine. The virtually and the virtually unreported wars going on in Ethiopia, in Eritrea, in Yemen, and no doubt other places. But of course there's something which is affecting all of us. The worldwide inflation and economic chaos brought about partly by the pandemic but exacerbated now by this ongoing war between Russia and Ukraine that is affecting every nation on the heaven. Where is God, they said forlornly. Well, it's not for me to diminish the ugliness of the current world situation. It is bleak in some respects, especially if you listen constantly to the news. Maybe there's an answer there. Don't once a day ration yourselves. I don't want to diminish it, but don't let the 24-7 news blind you. Don't let the news blind you to the fact that notwithstanding the unceasing flow of bad news, most people in the world have never been as well off as they are today. Absolute levels of poverty have declined in virtually every continent and every country. And yes, though deprivation is rising, including fuel deprivation now in this country, our standards of living and access to time-saving technology means that most in this nation, at least, still enjoy a standard of living our grandparents would envy. When you can fly to the Mediterranean for the cost of a flight less than an intercity rail journey in the UK, remember that several centuries ago, only a milord during his grand tour would have been able to travel as widely as that. It was beyond 99.5% of the population to venture abroad. Also, 
If you think about it, were there not more wars going on in previous decades and centuries, which only those who read the newspapers assiduously before radio and TV would have been aware of? We must be careful of harking back to an imagined halcyon past in which everything in the garden was rosy. But let's put the wisdom of perspective to one side. Jesus lives. And the resurrection shows Christians the power of God. Not just shows Christians the power of God. It also teaches us not to be afraid of dying. I'm going to have slide one now, please. As a famous Easter hymn puts it, Jesus lives, thy terrors now can no more, O death, appall us. Jesus lives, by this we know, thou, O grave, canst not enthrall us. Alleluia. Alleluia indeed. But do you believe it? Do you believe it? Well, glad to, I'm glad somebody says they believe it. Do you know it? You see, the pandemic, for example, has forced us to examine ourselves, hasn't it? Do we really believe that Jesus lives? Because if he lives, why have we as Christians, for the great part, surrendered to the spirit of fear? Now, I'm not anti-science or anti-medicine. Both my parents were doctors, medical doctors. It's right to take reasonable precautions like proper ventilation or wearing masks when the virus variant circulating is deadly. When it's seemingly spread through mere exhalation and breath. But as Christians, we should never give in to the spirit of fear by not worshipping and praying together in person. And the church needs to apologize for those first three months of lockdown when even priests were asked not to go into their churches. Jesus lives, and by the power of the one who raised Jesus from the dead, we continue to give thanks that none of our church family here at St. Paul's have died from COVID-19. Yes, we've had people sick, but we've prayed them through, and they've come through. This is despite us worshipping in person long before many other churches reopen. It's not to say we're special. It's not to say we're more holy than others, but with humility, we recognize the undeserved mercy of God towards us. But it goes further than that, doesn't it? Jesus lives, and as such, death holds no terrors for us. We can trust in God's goodness, knowing that whether we live or die, we win. It's a great outcome. You throw the dice, whether you live or die, you win. If we die, we go to the presence of Jesus and the Father. If we live, it's to give our God glory by working with him to build his kingdom here on earth. Can we have the next slide, please? Jesus lives. Henceforth is death, but the gate of life immortal. This shall calm our trembling breath when we pass its gloomy portal. Gloomy portal. (laughs) Alleluia. Gloomy portal. It may be gloomy portal, but there's life beyond. We may have to go through that transition of sickness before we get there, but we need not be afraid of what lies beyond because he's the source of life. 
And St. Paul sums it up inimitably, as always. I'm so glad he brought me to a St. Paul's for my incumbency as a priest, because he's my next best hero after Jesus. He sums it up inimitably, as always, in 1 Philippians chapter 1. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, that will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. That's Paul being honest. If you've ever had a glimpse of heaven, if you've ever felt the Father's presence, you know that what you feel is just an infinitesimal part of the glory and the peace and just the beauty of heaven. I'm not saying jump in front of the number 61, no. But there's nothing to be afraid of. And that's what we need to hold. That death is simply the gloomy portal we go through to immortal life. And Jesus lives, and because he lives, everything in every life touched by him must change if we really surrender lordship to him. No one knows the outcome of the current war between Russia and Ukraine. It's a bit like David and Goliath fighting, really. Our heads tell us Russia is far more powerful. Russia is Goliath. But this I know. If there are just a handful of Ukrainian Christians, like the one who prayed the prayer that follows, and which will be on the screen in a moment, then Putin is facing the armies of heaven as well as bone and flesh. I make no apologies for referring to this again as I'm still humbled, awestruck, shamed and challenged by the response of a Ukrainian Christian when asked what he would want us to pray for. Did he ask us to pray for the seemingly impossible prospect of a Ukrainian victory? No. Did he ask us to pray for an end to the bombing of his country? No. Or to pray for a Russian withdrawal? No. Or just to pray for the cessation of hostilities between Ukraine and Russia? No. When asked by CBN News how people should pray for his family for other CBN, Christian Broadcasting Network, workers there, and the people of Ukraine. This is what a Ukrainian Christian, Mr. Litvinenko, said. Please pray that we could hear God in this time, he said. The most deficit thing in our country now is the peace in our hearts, that our God, who is the Prince of Peace, would grant the peace in our hearts. And in that, this condition of peace, we could see the ways how we can build the kingdom in the times of war. That we could be the light and the warmth and the love and the hand of God to other people who are in need. Pray that we would be active members of the body of Christ at this time. 
and Litvinenko added, that we would not just sit and be afraid and fear for our lives, that we would be productive in building the kingdom. You know, that man's response floors me each time I come across it, I read it, I hear it. Why? Because it's the logical consequence, the logical outcome of those two words, Jesus lives. It's the response that God seeks from every believer to live for him and him alone, whatever is going on in our lives. That whatever the circumstances we find ourselves in, the horrors of a pandemic, the horrors of a barbaric war, our own illness, our own afflictions, or those of a loved one close to us who is suffering. Or maybe it's a very difficult relationship with a family member, a spouse, a child, a sister, a brother. Whatever it is, whatever the circumstances, however difficult we are able to remember that our purpose in life is to give glory to God. To quote our Easter hymn again, the next slide please. Jesus lives, for us he died. Then alone to Jesus living, pure in heart, may we abide glory to our Saviour giving. He makes us pure, not through our own good works, but through the cross he died. And he says, come to me. You're righteous. The Father sees us as he sees Jesus. And he calls us to expend our lives henceforth in giving glory to God through living for him. Jesus lives. And his call to us is to live for him who has conquered sin, death, and the devil. But then again, you might be saying to yourself that you believe in the head, he lives, but really don't know that for sure in your heart. Well, if you've never invited Jesus into your life and are prepared for him to have lordship over your life, and they're serious about this, why not invite him in today, this Easter day? It's not a complicated formula. It's these words, Lord Jesus Christ, come into my life. Come and be my Lord and my personal Savior. Forgive me my sins. Cleanse me. Sanctify me. And make me pure and whole again. Amen. And if you've made that declaration, that invitation, we'd be glad to pray with you after the service or ask Christians you know to pray with you. Your sincere invitation has invited the Holy Spirit into your life. And we'd love to get you, help get you established in the faith. But many of you, of course, here, have already invited Jesus into your lives, but still feel that you've not really taken on board the reality that Jesus lives. Well, this is where I invite you to press into God for more of him and to ask for a fresh anointing of the Spirit. An anointing which can release spiritual gifts like those of utterance, the gift of prophecy, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, the gifts of power, gifts of faith. Some people have incredible faith to see God at work. The gifts of healing, the gifts of miracles, 
the gifts of revelation, words of knowledge. You've heard them before in our services. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, the discerning of spirits. But maybe above all else, what most of us need is a fresh anointing to hear and obey the voice of God. Because everything else follows from that. Why is that important? Well, if you're hearing God daily, if you're exercising the gifts I've just mentioned, like tongues, faith, healing every day, you cannot but be sure that Jesus lives because he's real to you. You're experiencing him. As his gifts and power are exercised through you, you know and you know and you know that Jesus lives. Because when you're speaking in tongues, you know it's something beyond yourself. It's not your mind producing it. You're already in touch with the numinous. You're in touch with something over and above yourself. And that thing is God. Regular use of the gifts, regular listening to him brings us into the very presence of God and we know without a doubt that Jesus lives. And in fact, it's what brings about the next slide, the next verse of that hymn. Jesus lives, our hearts know well, naught from us. His love shall sever, life nor death nor powers of hell tear us from his keeping ever. Alleluia. You see, when we know him, when we're listening to him, we know that nothing can separate us from the love of God. You know, the most joyous thing to do are funerals of believers who've lived and fought the good fight. Because sometimes you just get sentiments of them rejoicing in heaven. You just feel it. And there's a joy because those worshipping who know the Lord know they've gone beyond that gloomy portal to the ever sunlit uplands beyond us. And that's what our faith is about. Jesus lives. But the enemy loves to put a veil, to put a covering afresh over the heads of the redeemed. The devil loves to blind us to the reality that Jesus lives and that what God cannot do does not exist. As I was pondering how to finish this morning, this is what I heard the Lord say. Ask people to hold out their hands to receive. And as they stretch out their hands in faith, so I shall fill them with the gifts of heaven. Yea, over and above what they desire, shall I grant them, as I love my body, the body of the church, the bride of Christ. So this Easter Sunday morning, if you want more of God, want to know him, want to feel him, want to receive those gifts, I've mentioned any of those gifts, as well as believe that Jesus is alive, can I invite you to hold out your hands to receive as I pray? God of might, the one who raised Jesus from the dead, you told me to invite your sons and daughters to receive. So in the authority vested in me, I call upon heaven now. I declare a release of heaven's gifts into the outstretched arms. Release them into the fullness of your gifts, Lord. Whether it be the spiritual gifts, whether it be the gift of faith, whether it be the gift 
gift of knowledge, whether it be the gift of tongues. Release them, Lord. Surprise them with joy as they spend time with you, as they focus on you. May they discover they have received that which was beyond their reckoning. Gracious, merciful God, you do this from your goodness, not because we are good. You did this because of the cross. And we receive your gifts gratefully. In Jesus' name, amen. And because Jesus lives, I'm going to conclude with the last verse of that hymn. Jesus lives, to him the throne over all the world is given, over Ukraine, over Russia, over the whole world. May we go where he is gone, rest and reign with him in heaven. Hallelujah. Amen.